0: Good to see everyone tonight, and wasn't it great uh, the uh, the visitors and guests that we had this morning? It was great to see them. Hope you had a chance uh, this morning to speak to someone that you didn't know and introduce yourself. So glad to uh, have our guests again tonight, and just uh, make yourself at home in the services. First Peter chapter four. We'll begin with verse one. We're looking at a changed life, a different life uh, since you've been saved. Pray that you are living a changed life. I'm going to take off the title for this evening's message: the old life. Uh, in verse one, First Peter chapter four, verse one. For as much then as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. For he that hath suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin. This, just looking at this first part, you know that we need to have the same mind of Christ. A pretty neat uh, scripture. If you look at the Bible right here, it says arm yourselves. And if you just back up a little ways in the book of Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 13. Ephesians 6.13 says this, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God. Basically, when it, he says arm yourself, that means put it on. Put it on. That uh, So I want to arm myself. I need to put on something. I know, and so basically this, God's given us armor. And it's kind of like if we just let it sit there and we never put it on, what good is it? So I need to arm myself. I need to put on what? Arm yourself likewise with the same mind. So, okay, I've, I've got a choice. Now that I'm saved, and you know the Lord is your Savior, I, I need to arm myself, what? With the same thinking that Christ had. Go back now uh, to the book of Philippians, which is just back over here, right in front, uh, or right after Ephesians. Philippians chapter 2, this uh, very famous verse in verse 5. So I need to arm myself with the same mind, the same thinking, the same attitude that Christ had. One preacher talked about it this way. Jesus was all about courageous living. You know, and His disciples saw that. They saw He had an attitude of, I came here to fulfill my will. I mean, my Father's will. I came here with a job to do. And I I guarantee you, I'm just going to get beat up. I'm just going to have my beard pulled out, and they're going to beat me to an inch of my life. But, the, you know, Jesus said it this way, and I love the way he said it in John 10. You know what he said? I came here, and I'm going to lay my life down. Nobody takes my life from me. I lay it down willingly. And so what did the apostles see when they looked at They saw a courageous guy. They saw a carpenter's son. And you say, well, of course he's courageous. He was the son of God. But you think about it; they're just looking at him. They see him as a carpenter's son, as a, as the son of God. But they see a man who is still hurting. They see a man that was that struggled. They see a man. Did you know? Don't forget about the scripture in John chapter four. It says Jesus, being wearied with his journey, he went to the woman at the well, being weary with it. He got tired. He got tired. He got wore out. He did. Did you know? Jesus was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. That's what it says in Hebrews four. In Hebrews four it says that so he he's been through everything. He knows what it feels like. Joel told me whenever that radiologist, which I was talking to my mom and she said, That radiologist shouldn't have said what they said when they was talking to Joel. I said, Mom, that's beliefs. Everybody's an expert on everything. <laughs> And so the radiologist said what they said, and it scared Joel. Said he was scared out of his mind. He said, "Oh, you know, I've ministered to people all my my life, brother Michael. All his ministry, he ministered to people." And he said, "I've ministered to all my church members who've gone through cancer, and always wondered if I ever got the news, how I'd react." Well, now he knows, and he was scared. It scared him. It scared him whenever he first heard the words when he got the news. And you know, and to have the, how do I react? How do I react whenever I get bad news? How do I react whenever this happens? And Jesus is saying here to be correct, you know that tough times are ahead. You know that I may be faced with difficulties. You know that I may have tough choices to make. But it says here that we need to have the mind, and what that means is the same I need to think about and have the same attitude that Christ had. So I need to arm myself with it. Likewise, with the same mind, I'm still in First Peter four one. For he that has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Before I go any further and deal with that has ceased from sin, uh, we've got to hit Galatians two twenty. That's a powerful passage. Galatians two twenty says this now. So, if I'm going to have the same mind and same thinking as Jesus Christ, if I'm going to have the same courage and the same determination, uh, Paul said it this way in Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave Himself for me. Folks, now that I'm saved, and now that you're saved, and now that you're being called upon to live a holy life, a courageous life for Jesus, it's not me. It's Jesus in me. That's what Galatians 2.20 is all about. Galatians 2.20 is saying, let Jesus live through you. Don't say, well, I listen to Him. I read His Word. Let Him take over. Let Him have your heart and your life. Because it says here, Christ, what does it say in Galatians 2.20? Christ liveth in me. And that means He controls your every decision. Well, ask yourself, what does Jesus want you to do next? Ask yourself that question. What does Jesus want you to do next? Well he wants me to think about what I'm gonna have for supper here, Brother Michael, so hurry up and keep preaching now. <laughs> and that's what Jesus wants me to Well, even if it's for for supper, maybe God'll open up the door for you to witness somebody during supper. Our text that says he has ceased from sin. You know, there's some interesting scriptures just a little ways from here. And this really refers back to it says that uh for he that hath suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin. It's talking about Jesus. Well Jesus didn't sin, but what this you can refer back to from 1 Peter 4 1 is go back to 1 Peter three eighteen, which is just what, five, six verses before this? And one, two, three, four, five verses before it. First Peter three eighteen says, "For Christ also has suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh." So, folks, he carried your sin. even though Jesus didn't sin, he carried your sins and paid for your sins and he buried your sins. And so that's great. Matter of fact, if you just go a little ways toward the back of your Bible. First John 3, 6, the Word says this, "...whosoever abideth in him sinneth not." Wait a second. You mean if you're saved, you don't sin? Well, the saved part of you doesn't, but your flesh still can. You still sin. Kind of like that country preacher said, and I've used this analogy before, Once you get saved, you have two dogs living inside of you. And whichever one wins is the one you say, sick them to. Your flesh and your spirit. And they struggle. We'll see what Paul has to say about that in just a second. But folks, Christ died so that... Think about this. What does the Bible say? What did I just read in Galatians 2.20? Who lives in you if you're saved? Christ lives in you. He's in you. He wants to come out. He, he, and the Bible says, "...he that abideth in Him sinneth not." In other words, I'm going to make right choices if I let Jesus out. I'm going to make right choices if I let Him have control. I'm going to make right choices. I need, I need to live dead. But Paul said it this way, I, "...I," talking about His flesh, "...I die daily." I die to what my flesh wants, and I need to let Christ be seen in me." This week we had Brother Bruce Brett from uh, Hattiesburg, Mississippi. He is preaching and he, and he came up with a wonderful quote. You see, Jesus died to go to the grave. Then Jesus was put in the grave. And then Jesus came out of the grave so you and I could go through the grave. He did all that for me and you. And if you know Jesus, you'll go through the grave. It's just temporary. It's just a short time, a little while, that you and I can have victory. And we'll sing that verse O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? If you know Jesus, the grave won't have victory over you. And you get to live forever with Jesus. Back in our text in verse 2, 1 Peter 4 2 says this. So you need to choose to live for Him. Let Him live through you that He... Verse 2, who's the He? Whoever chooses to arm yourself with the thinking of Jesus. If you choose to live for Jesus, if you choose to put on Jesus, if you choose to act like Jesus, if you choose to do what He did, that you whoever chooses should no longer live the rest of his time in the flesh. Are you going to choose to do verse 2 or not? It's your choice. Did you know that verse 2 is your choice to do or not do? The He is you. If you choose to put on Jesus, if you choose to think like Jesus, that you should no longer what? Live the rest of your time "...in the flesh to the lust of men, but what should you desire?" What does the end of verse 2 say you should desire? You see what I mean? That He is you! That He is whoever says, I want to live for Jesus! I want Him to live in me! So that I may what? Live to the will of God. Well, I told you I would talk about uh, Paul's struggle... Many of you know this Scripture, which is found in Romans 7. You say, well, well, Brother Michael, that sounds like all I need to do is wake up in the morning and say, Jesus, come on out and live in me. Is it that simple? I wish it were. Jesus, help me do whatever. Whatever. Romans seven eighteen describes Paul's struggle. And uh let's take a peek at it. Romans seven eighteen. For I know that in me, that it is in my flesh. He had to clarify it. Notice that's in uh in my Bible, it's in uh So In my flesh, what? Dwelleth no good thing. For the will is present with me. In other words, I know what's right and wrong. I know what Jesus wants me to do. But how to perform that which is good, I find not. For the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. And I just, I'm struggling. You wouldn't think Paul would write these words, would you? I'm struggling. If Paul can struggle, we all struggle, don't we? And then verse 20. Now, if I do that, that I would not. It is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. Man, remember the remember the country analogy, two dogs. Paul's saying he had them too. Paul's saying what I don't want to do, I'm I do, and the things that I need to do, I don't do. And then he says. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. Verse 22, For I delight in the law of God, that means in the will of God, what God wants to do after the inward man. But I see another law in my members, which means down deep in my chest, down deep in my bowels, down deep inside my desire, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. Sounds like he is being ripped apart, doesn't it? So what does he say in verse 24? O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind I serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. Jesus said it another way. He said, The Spirit is indeed willing, but the blank is weak. (laughs) The flesh is weak, isn't it? And so, no matter whether it's Jesus saying it, or whether it's Paul saying it, there's a struggle that goes on with every child of God. Everybody. Everybody struggles with, Man, I I messed up. I... I wanted to do the right thing. I wanted to say something, but I didn't. Maybe we hesitated. Maybe we felt like, well, I don't know. I, I don't know what to say. But if you ever met somebody who just gets saved, they tell everybody, even though they don't know what to say. Man, I got saved. Well, what do you do next? I don't know, but I'm gonna look in that book and find out. <laughs> I, you know, I don't know when's Jesus coming back. I don't know, but I'm going. <laughs> You know, I don't know about the rapture, but I'm praise the Lord, I'm going to go when He comes. You don't have to have it all figured out to tell others. You don't have to figure out everything about the Bible to say, I love Jesus. So don't get caught up in that. Don't use that as an excuse. Just say, I'm going to say yes to Him. That's how you got saved, isn't it? And that's how you live for Him. You say yes to Him. Paul says it's a real struggle. You know what one day it's going to happen? I don't know about you. You may be sinless and perfect since you got saved, but this old boy isn't. But I'm going to say one day, Lord, deliver me from this wretched, fleshly body of sin. Because even whenever... And I've talked to different ones in here that, that, that have the same problem I have. You can be praying and serving the Lord and singing praises to Him, and just the weirdest stupidest thought will come in your brain. And you're like, "Where in the world did that come from?" Get out of there. You know? I don't know about y'all may be different than me, maybe that never happens to y'all. Maybe your brain is works better than mine. But that's called living in the flesh. The flesh fights against the Spirit and fights against Jesus. He's in there. He loves me. But this old flesh is going to be changed one day, brother. It's going to be changed one day. I'm going to get a new body. And if you know Him, you're going to get one too. Moving on. Well... I tell you what, verse three is what I used to live like. Man, I used to be a drinking partying animal. Woo! Wine, revelings, banquetings, abominable idolatries. That says it. You say, where's Brother Michael coming up with this? (laughs) Bible. Man, before I was saved, I lived it, I did it, there wasn't nothing. I didn't do. Wasn't afraid of anybody. Didn't do any. There wasn't anything I hadn't tried or done. There's a lot of people who can claim that, and that's their testimony. But it says, notice verse three. It says, "For the time past of our life to us have wrought. We used to live like those old Gentile people. And then, you know, I don't hang around. So, so I used to be." Uh, uh, saved, I used to, or excuse me, I used to be lost and I did all these things, but now I'm saved and I'm trying to live for Jesus and I used to do verse 3 and because you got saved, verse 4 happens. Because you used to live like verse 3 and all your friends did verse 3, then your friends turn on you in verse 4. What does verse 4 say? Wherein they, who's they? your friends that used to party and do all that stuff with, wherein they think it's strange that you run not with them to the same excess of riot. Whoa! And then when it says, speaking evil of you, the word evil there, looking it up, I just like simple. I like simple. Looked it up, evil, it means abuse. So, my friends who once were my friends, you come to know Jesus. And they don't like it. That really kind of that doesn't equate to friendship. Does it equate to friendship with you? Well, friend well, friend, if you as long as you agree with me, I'm your friend. You disagree with me, I'll abuse you with my mouth. Well that sounds like a friend to me. Because what what are we disagreeing over? I choose Jesus, they don't, and so what does it say? But now they speak what? evil of you. Well, we're going to wrap it up with verse 5 and 6. So, again, the title of this message is what? The Old Life. The Old Life. And then verse 5 and 6 we have is just basically this, about judgment. Well, you know what? And they, it says, who, who's, the who is those guys who did that to you? Who shall give account to him that is ready to judge The quick and the dead, that just means the living and the dead. Those who are alive now and those who died already. For this cause was the gospel preached also to them that are dead. Which means that those who have already died, they heard the gospel too. That they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the Spirit. Folks, there's three facts I want to share with you real quick. And uh, I want to go in order here. So I'm going to get 2 Corinthians 5. And then we're going to Philippians 2. There we go. Got it. I'm sure these are some facts. 2 Corinthians 5. Verse six. Therefore, we are always confident that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. We were talking about this in Sunday school. Did you know that uh, if you're, uh, you know, when you die, where are you going? Are you going to heaven or hell? Matter of fact, I was witnessing to somebody this afternoon, a Catholic this afternoon, and uh, they talked about purgatory. And, uh, you know, and I could have debated somebody about purgatory, but I didn't. You know what I did? All I did was, was I, t- I said, Would you mind if I tell you how I met Jesus Christ? You, there's no need to debate with a person that may be lost about some anything but Jesus. That's who you need to tell them about. Don't debate purgatory, just tell them about Jesus. And so, I'm, I'm in the flesh, so I'm not with the Lord yet. Verse 7, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Verse 8, for we are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Wherefore we labor, that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of Him. Or that means please Him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in His body according that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are made manifest unto God, which means this, I'm going to give an account for what you've done since I've been saved. If you're saved, you're still going to have to give an account for the way you live. Now, lost are saved, lost or saved, Philippians 2 verse 9 says this, Wherefore God also hath highly exalted Him, and given Him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. And verse 11 says, And every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Folks, every knee is going to bow. Every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. It doesn't, that, you, know, you know who that includes? Saved and lost everybody we're going to do it willingly they'll do it beggingly beggingly and then lastly the great white throne judgment is found in revelation chapter 20 and verse 11 these are some facts there's going to be a judgment if you're saved, you're going to go to the judgment seat of Christ. If you're lost, you're going to the great white throne judgment. Revelation 20:11. "...and I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and heaven fled away. And there was found no place for them." I've often described this. The uh, book of Peter says that God's going to... You've heard the first earth was what? Flooded, destroyed by a flood. We know this earth is going to be destroyed by what? Fire. And when God burns up every planet and every piece of dirt and every tree, where are you going to hide? When every rock, every piece of dirt and every tree is dissolved, where is anybody going to hide? You're only going to be standing on one place, and it's going to be before Jesus or before God. That's why it says here in verse 11, And there was found no place for them. There's nothing to hide behind. It was all burned up. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. And death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. This is describing, when a, that's called the resurrection of the lost, by the way. when it, There's going to be a resurrection of the saved and a resurrection of the lost. They're going to be standing before God, and then it says this: "And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire." This is the second death. In verse fifteen, and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Folks, there there is an old life. As uh, Brother Ronnie and our musicians get ready for a, a hymn of invitation, well, what what are we going to do? What can give us boldness tonight? This old life is a struggle. Even after you get saved, living for Jesus is a struggle. Because we're still in what? The flesh. We still need Him. Jesus in me. Still needs to. I need to depend on him. I need to live for him. So it's up to each of us to make that decision to say, "I I need him. I don't live, but Christ lives in me, so that He can get honor and glory."